I know you and I sin many sins, but there's one sin and one sin only. Even though we're deserving of hell, there is only one sin that actually causes us to be sent to hell. Let's talk about it today. Mr. Sunshine, Sin in Hell is back. Hope you had a good week. Look, I don't mean to talk about uh, Sin in Hell all the time. I, I think I talk about it because nobody else, I don't mean nobody else is. In my circles, people talk about it, but I just mean generally in the world, uh, most sermons are more like a Tony Robbins pep talk. And nobody's dealing with the real issue. Nobody is telling you what you really need to know in this Bible. Even of the most familiar verse in the entire Bible, they're not telling you this one thing. So we think about our sins, and we don't like to really talk about our sins, but we all know that we all sin, right? So that's no big news, no big deal, right? We all sin, everybody sins. And God sees my heart. And because God sees my heart, he knows that while I sin, I am a good person. I'm a, I'm, I'm a good person on the inside. I'm Yes, I make mistakes. And um, I think that overall, my good outweighs my bad. Like after all, I, I do a lot of really good things. You might not see it, but I do a lot of really good things. I serve, I give. And uh, I go to church. I do all kinds of good things. And, and darn it, people like me. <laughs> Who was that guy? Stuart Smalley or whoever that was. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. Well, people may like you. That's very good. And, and glad you do good things. Right, right. Very good. A uh, couple things here. Okay. Starting off. So when you do good things... No cookie for that. You're only doing what you should, right? I've never had a cop pull me over and pay me $107 for keeping the law. No, but he'll pull me over for breaking the law and fine me $107. I don't know how much a ticket costs. I haven't had one for a long time. I'll have to ask my kids. Uh, so yeah, well, you do what is good. No cookie. You're only doing what you're supposed to do. So that doesn't really weigh into the equation. What you're talking about is your sin. There's a penalty for sin. The Romans says the wages of sin is death. So each sin is a death penalty. You multiply that by your age. Even if you only sin three sins a day, you're practically a walking angel. But three sins a day, that's over a thousand sins a year. That's a thousand death penalties against you a year. Multiply that by your age. I'm 48, 48,000 death penalties awaiting me at the judgment is appointed to a man once to die and then the judgment and at my best and i guarantee you it's way more than forty-eight thousand sins i guarantee you so forty-eight thousand death penalties those sins make you guilty before a holy god and we talk a lot of times how are you going to deal with all these sins right? The conversation comes down to all of your sins and you're guilty of all of these sins. And if you don't deal with all of these sins, you're going to go to hell. And so you say, well, I'm a good person. I think God will overlook my sins and my good will outweigh my bad. My friend, if you think 
that a little bit of good that you did today, that you dropped some clothes off at Salvation Army in the little drop box in the alley, you think that's going to outweigh your 48,000, not life sentences, death penalties. These aren't life sentences. These are death penalties. But you served a little chili and you dropped off some clothes and, and you gave a hundred bucks a month. And you think that's going to, right? So we talk about those things in that way. And that's right. That's good. That's right. That's fine. But ultimately, it's not that 48,000 sins that's going to send you to hell. There is ultimately one sin and one sin only that will send you to hell. And it's not the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes, is talking to Jesus at night, and he says, but, 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 but Lord, I'm a good person. My good outweighs my bad. After all, I'm a, a teacher of Israel. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm not perfect, but you got to understand I was born this way. And Jesus says, but you, you don't understand. That's why I'm telling you, because you were born this way, that's why you must be born again. Jesus's words, sorry, that one isn't a Bible belt catchphrase. Jesus said, you must be born again. Okay, we're going to pick up around the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. Athletes put it on their face, on their jersey. People hold it up on signs, try to get it on ESPN. John 3, 16. We're right in that section there. You remember what it says? We're going to start in verse 14 and go to verse 21. This has just absolutely captured all of my thoughts this week. And I just, I have to tell you about this. The one thing. So Jesus is speaking here and Jesus tells Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Be listening for the one thing. Verse 15. So that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been done by God. Did you hear the one thing in there? See, when you were born, you were born with original sin, right? Like you didn't, you weren't innocent for a period of time. And then you became sinful when you were one and a half and you learned your first word, mine. That's not the first sin. And everything before that, you were a clean slate. No, we were, we were born sinful 
We don't have to learn to sin. We're, we're born in sin. That's why Jesus says, he who believes in him is not judged. He who, he, he, he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Hmm. You've been judged already. That's verse 18. Like you are already, it's not that only God can judge me. And when I die, God will judge me. No, you've already been judged. Jesus says, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. There's only two ways, right? And this is the one thing right here. The one thing people don't go to hell because of the 48,000 life sentence. No, not life sentence. Death sentences. Very, very important difference. Not because of the 48,000 death sentences against them. You've been judged already. You're already guilty. You're already condemned. You're already bound for hell. You are bound for hell. From the moment you are born, you are not a child of God. You've been judged already. You're already condemned. You are already judged and bound for hell. And that's why Jesus says in the flesh, in the state that you're in, you cannot go to heaven. You must be born again. So what is the difference? What is the one thing? He who believes is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. The reason people go to hell is because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So what is the judgment? The judgment is this, that Jesus, the light has come into the world and our sin nature that dwells in us. We love the darkness rather than the light because our deeds are evil. We're evil people. We love our sin. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. So that's why we repel God and repel going to church. and Or we think, well, I got to at least clean myself up. I can't show up like this. I'm a mess. I'm a wretch. You know, I wouldn't go to church looking like I look right now at this moment. I would take a shower. I'd clean myself up. I'd put on some nicer clothes. I'd brush my hair and try to do what I can do to pull this face together and put these puffy things under my eyes away. No, we don't come to the light lest our deeds be exposed. We hide from God because of our, our sin. Our sin causes us to hide from him. But he who practices the truth comes to the light. If you love God, you know your sin. You're coming to God saying, Lord, I believe that you have died. Oh, so back to John 3.16. What was it that he did again? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will what? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So he who believes will not die. 
and will have eternal life. And he who does not believe will die and will not have eternal life. So believe what? What is it that we believe? Two things. Here's two important things for us to believe about the life and death of Christ for us. So he's talking here about Christ being lifted up for our sins, Christ dying for our sins. And it's not just that Christ has to die for our sins on the cross, a substitutionary death. It's not just that he died in our place. We always say on here, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there's an exchange that happens there. There is sin and there is righteousness. Okay, so here's the two things. Christ lived a perfectly sinless life. He was righteous. He is our righteousness. And he is our atonement, meaning he paid for our death. He satisfied God's anger, God's wrath, all the wrath that was targeted to us because we were already judged. He took all of that wrath, all of that punishment that was waiting for us on the cross. So two things happened. He met the requirement of perfect righteousness with his sinless life, and he died our death on the cross and took the full brunt of God's wrath that we deserved. So he did two things. He lived the perfect life that we can't live, and he bore the wrath of God that we would spend eternity trying to pay for our death penalties. So those two things, the righteousness of Christ and the death of Christ for us, those are the two things that we believe in. Those are the two things that we believe that makes the difference between eternal life, right? And not having eternal life. Those are the two things that make the difference between being judged and passing out of judgment. All right. So here's the next question I would imagine would pop up. Okay. So how do I know if I've believed? Like what did, what is real faith look like? We've talked in the past about the chair. Like I can say, I believe that chair will hold me, but true faith is sitting in that chair, resting the full weight of your body on that chair. That's belief in action. That's truly believing that that chair will hold your weight. Okay. So that's what Christ is saying. I don't want you to just mentally, theoretically believe that I did these things. I want you to rest the full weight of your sin on me. I want you to rest the full weight of your confidence in my righteousness and my atonement. Rest all of that on me and on me alone. Not any any good things that you've done, not any righteous deeds that you've done, nothing that you have done. I don't need you to carry the load. I am the creator of the universe. I have carried the load for you. I have paid the price in full. It is finished. Come, rest, believe. Okay, so you can remember John chapter three, the one thing, believe, and then what's the next thing? How do I know that I've believed? Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to jump ahead to 1 John chapter 5 though, because I want you to hear this from John. 1 John chapter 5, 
verses 11 through 13 says this, and the witness is this, that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have that life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay. We're at a fork in the road in our lives right now in just this short little 15 minutes that we've talked about just a couple little verses. I have to ask you right now at this point, have you believed in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life? That's a yes or a no question. Like, uh, maybe, I mean, I kind of, I mean, if you're hesitating and you don't have that confidence, let's just assume you're not there yet, but you're sitting here and you're working through this and you're thinking through these things. These are all good things. Think about these things and ponder that he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. Let's go back to John chapter two. And he says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Jesus is the payment for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Wait a minute. For those of the whole world did. So does that mean everybody's forgiven? No. What did he say in chapter three? His death is sufficient to cover the sins of the whole world. But you won't believe. You don't come because you won't believe. Remember when we were talking about Lazarus coming out of the tomb? John chapter 11. You must believe. And by this, we know, this is John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God has been perfected. And by this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him, Jesus, ought himself to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. Okay. So first John can be quite challenging, but he will show you very clearly what he's saying is you're going to know if you have believed because your life is going to change. I mean, now, how do I explain this? I can't. I know this. I sat down and I read the word of God. And as I worked my way through the Old Testament and I saw the holiness of God and I knew the depth of my guilt, I knew that I was guilty and I was thankful for God's mercy God has been merciful and he hasn't taken my life. And I see that I've been judged already. So I was thankful for God's mercy, 
but I needed his grace. And as I went looking for his grace, it led me to the book of Romans. And as I read through the first three chapters of Romans, I see I am guilty. Oh my goodness. I am guilty. I have been judged. I'm condemned. I have no, wait, what is this? Wow. By faith, we have peace with God through Christ. Wow. Wait a minute. Let me read that again. By faith, we have peace with God. Faith. That's believing. That was the one thing. This is it. This is what I'm looking for. So as I started reading, I start plowing through it and I see the grace of God and the grace of God and the grace of God, page after page after page, not just his mercy, but his grace. And I see that he has died and he just asked me to believe not do a bunch of stuff and hope that I make the grade when I stand at the judgment. You've already been judged. You're already condemned. But here's the good news, the gospel, that he has done everything. What else could he do? There's nothing else he could do. Nothing else he could do. The goodness that you need in your life, he lived that perfect life. The payment for your sins, he already paid for your sins. So what about confession? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confessing your sin isn't God saying, okay, well, don't you do that again. I'll wipe, go ahead and erase that one. There, that one's erased. Now don't do it again. Okay, no more. I'm serious this time. No, he's saying, I've paid for that. Thank you for admitting it. Confessing your sin is admitting you see your sin. You're admitting your guilt. You're saying, God, I thank you so much for your righteousness. I thank you so much for your atoning blood that was shed for me on the cross so that I could be set free. Here's what I need, Lord. I see a different law in my flesh. Like I now see that the law is good. Your ways are good. Your statutes are good, but I keep breaking them. There's something broken in me. I can't stop sinning. It's who I am. I'm a darn sinner and I can't stop. That's the sin that's in you. That's the sin that's in your flesh. And you'll be sanctified. That means set apart for holiness. You'll become more like Christ as you chase after him. You'll get better. Here's the funny thing. The more you chase after Christ, the closer you get to him, the more sin you will see. The more light that is shined in your heart, you'll dig around in those dark corners. And you'll not only battle some repetitive sins, these same sins that you're battling over and over. But as you kind of deal with one sin, you'll find another and you'll look around. It's like going down in the cellar and just turning on a light. And it's like, this place is filthy. That's our hearts. (laughs) This place is filthy. Lord, I need you to purify my heart. And so you start reading through God's word and, and this word starts, starts changing you. From the inside out, this reading this Bible starts changing you. Good teaching about the Bible starts changing you from the inside out. You see, religion is outward activity, trying to please an angry God. 
That's religion. Outward activity trying to please an angry God. False Christianity is outside activity hoping to change something internally because they say, look, I don't know what's in your heart and I can't change what's in your heart, but I can give you a bunch of holy activities, hoping that if you act holy long enough, maybe you'll become holy. And that was Nicodemus's problem. He had this man-made religion where they acted holy, but inside their hearts there, it was, it was a grave of rot. And Jesus says, you need to be born again from the inside out. You need a new heart a new nature on the inside. And true Christianity is believing in Christ and this word, the Holy Spirit uses God's word, the Bible, and changes you from the inside out. What I'm saying is, believe. Believe. Nobody's asking you to jump from zero to 100 and go from sin to perfection. What I'm saying is, There is a door standing open in front of you right now. Will you take one step through that door and start that journey? Death or life? Well, you already have death. You've already been judged. You're already condemned to hell. And if you die now, at this moment, this ends, and you get hit by a car, you'll be in hell. If you believe in the son of man, who is your righteousness and the payment for your sin, you will have eternal life. So there's the fork in the road. The door is open. Will you step through it? That's what we're talking about. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, for by grace, you have been saved from what? Hell. You have been saved by faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for his glory. I think it says, I messed that last word up. I'm sure I'm doing that from memory. Okay. Let's see here. Anything else I want to leave you with? Um, okay. One final thing. Your life is not yours. You have been purchased. If, if you believe and when you believe You have been purchased. He purchased you with his life. So where you belonged to sin and death and Satan and this whole world's system, he's going to purchase you. He's going to die to purchase you. And your life now belongs to him. Will you become a slave of Christ? Give your life back to him. He's the creator anyway. He created and gave you life. Give it back to him. It's his Galatians 2:20. I have been crucified with Christ so it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life that I now live in the flesh, I live for him who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's it. Wow. One thing. That's all I'm asking for. Please. One thing. Believe God's riches at Christ.